0: Uh, Thank you, Marshall, for the introduction. I'm thrilled to be here preaching a Gap sermon. Um, So thank you, Marsh. So for this Gap sermon, we're looking at uh, something that I just find fascinating, and that's the person Jacob in the Old Testament. So uh, turn with me to Genesis 32, 22 through 32. Maybe it's on the screen. If not, that's fine. I'll read it for us. Again, this is Genesis 32. 22 through verse 32 the same night he arose and took his two wives his two female servants and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the jabuk he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had and jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of this place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, it is good to be here uh, gathered as your people. Lord, more than anything else this morning, we need your presence. Lord, we know that you are here. Lord, that you are specially present to us in your word and in sacrament and as your people gather together. So, Lord, meet with us now. Lord, for those here who are uh, too comfortable, independent, living out of their own strength, Lord, would you make them uncomfortable? Lord, for those here who are hurting and in need of your comfort, would you comfort us by your word and with your presence? All this we ask in your name, amen. So Jacob, like I said, this is one of the most interesting stories in the Bible, in my opinion. Uh, He's fascinating to me. If you start at the beginning of his life, his whole story starts and is exemplified by the way he comes out of the womb. He comes out of his mother, hanging on to his brother's ankle. And for the rest of his life, from that moment on, he lives a life of grasping and grabbing at whatever he can get in life. So he doesn't get his father's love and affirmation. He typifies what we call the father wound. So instead, he resorts to tricking his father into blessing him, swindles his brother out of his birthright, out of his inheritance. By his own grit and his own determination, he then works and outsmarts his uncle and ends up with his dream girl and with incredible wealth. He is a man that is given nothing and he has to figure out life on his own. And in this, he becomes a man of incredible independence, self sufficiency as he overcomes every weakness, every obstacle, with his own strength. That's Jacob. And Jacob exemplifies something about you and me. Y'all, we are a culture and a people who are in love with our own strength. We love the idea of independence and self-sufficiency. It's so, so deeply infused into the American ideal It is what is valued in your education places and your places of work. Self-sufficiency, independence, your strength. And so we bring it into our walk with the Lord. We bring it into our relationships with others. And we bring it into our church life. This love of strength, this love of self-sufficiency. And it is killing us. And it is destroying what is offered you in Christ. Jacob epitomizes, he exemplifies the American ideal of hard work, independence, and strength. And in this way, we are all like Jacob, a people who are in love with our own strength. But this is not the way of Christ's kingdom. God desires not strength and independence, but our weakness and dependence. God's power is made perfect in weakness, so we, church, are to be a people marked by deep dependence. I'm going to say that again, but in the words of the Apostle Paul that we just read. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, God's power, is made perfect in weakness. Y'all, God desires our complete and utter dependence so that his strength, his power, would be shown out. And in this text this morning, we're going to see God bring strong, independent Jacob to a place of desperation and great weakness so that he learns dependence on God complete dependence on Yahweh's strength. And we need to pay attention to this story, this window into how God deals with weak and broken people, because that is our story. So we're going to follow the movements of this story. We're going to see that God is so committed to showing his power in our weakness that he will do everything in order to expose how weak we are, that he will then meet us in our weakness, and that it is in weakness that we are blessed. So let's look first at God's exposing Jacob's and our weakness. One writer that I really like, he points out that at the the core of what it means to be human is to be a person who is dependent. Now, if you have a toddler or an infant, uh, you know this so well. We have a three-month-old named Sam at our house right now. He's my son. Um, And Sam is a picture of dependence. We've got to feed him. We change his diaper. He can't even roll from his back to his belly without more help. Like, he can't do anything. He just lays there and eats and poops. That's all he can do. He is the epitome of dependence. But as you grow up, we lose this awareness of our dependence, especially if you are decently successful at life. As you rise the social and economic scale, you surround yourself with more and more protective devices to try to push your dependence from you. Self-confidence and self-reliance replaces the truth of your dependence. And our text this morning is from the life of Jacob, a man who is rejected by his father early in life. He grows into a deeply independent man as he overcomes his weaknesses and his dependence. Someone who figures out how to make life work all on his own, and he is pretty good at it. But here, at the beginning of our text, Jacob, for the first time in his life, is left alone and terrified. He is out of options. He has nowhere left to turn. He was coming back to his homeland, Canaan, and uh, he finds out that his older brother, who he'd swindled out of his birthright, he finds out that that same older brother he's going to meet the next morning. And not only is he going to meet his older brother Esau, but his brother has 400 men with him. So Jacob, knowing that he had stolen his brother's inheritance, he is rightly terrified. He thinks that his brother's going to show up and probably kill him. He's terrified. So in the verses leading up to our text, Jacob, he orchestrates, he uses everything that he's got to try to manipulate and fix the situation. So he starts sending wave after wave of gifts of livestock, all these animals, all this stuff, to hit his his brother Esau so that Esau will maybe think more favorably of Jacob when he meets him. So he sends all this stuff. But then he finds out nothing's happened. He hasn't heard any word back. Esau's still coming his way with 400 men. So then he rises up in the middle of the night and he takes his family who's with him and he sends them across the stream. Maybe he can keep them safe. Verse 24 then shows that he's alone. He's stripped of the comfort of relationships with his family, he's stripped of his resources, he spent it all. And he's still alone and he's terrified. His self sufficiency, his independence has failed him. And make no mistake, this is not a coincidence. This is no coincidence. The fact that Jacob is alone without the comfort of loved ones, with no good news of his resources having worked. Everything in Jacob's life has been ordained to lead up to this moment. All of it. Swindling his brother. His many years working with Laban, learning to work the system to get what he wanted, the anxiety of it all catching up with him in the coming morning, rising in the middle of the night, this last-ditch effort to try to fix things, all of this has been ordained by the mighty hand of God to bring Jacob to dependence. God has brought Jacob to a place of his weakness being exposed. So uh, right at the end of college, I lived in Montana with some friends for a little bit, and one, like once a week, we would do this hike called Beehive Basin. And you'd hike up into the mountains, and you'd be in this basin with all these mountains surrounding you, all these like mountain peaks surrounding you. And I would always do it with friends, because it's way out in the middle of nowhere. But I got pretty confident, and I thought, hey, I can do this by myself. So I went out there, and uh, I'm off work doing this hike alone, and I hike up through the mountains, and I'm up in this basin, and it's this big snow field that you walk up into. And as soon as you walk up into it, the temperature changes. You go from like summer days to it's like winter up there. And I walk into this basin and pretty soon I hear the echoing of a wolf's how howling uh, around on these mountain peaks. And I'm a little bit freaked out. And then up ahead, I see uh, some blood smatterings and stuff. And you can see kind of the shape of some looks like a dead animal up in the up in the snowfield a little bit. And I start to freak out and then I start hearing more wolves. It is freaking me out. So I reach into my backpack for my bear spray that you're supposed to carry, don't have it. I just have a jar of peanut butter. So I'm freaking out. All of a sudden, my illusions of being a really cool outdoorsy person come crashing down. The truth that I am a weak, weak, weak city boy playing a cowboy out in Montana comes true. I am utterly and completely exposed. The truth of who I am became very quickly apparent. My weakness, my dependence was exposed. And these times of exposure are oh, so, so important. We, a wildly weak and dependent people who have created webs of comfort to insulate us from our weakness, we've honed all these strengths and skills to overcome our dependence, we need to be exposed. I wonder this morning what you are relying on to insulate yourself from your insufficiencies. What comforts, what distractions you've grown accustomed to running to? What resources and strengths you rely on to secure your future? How have you followed your forefather Jacob in his quest for independence? God desires your complete dependence. And make no mistake, he will expose what things you use to avoid this truth. And he is faithful to bring us to these places of exposure where our weakness shows through and our independence shows thin. But God is not merely after bringing us to a place of weakness. If that was the end of it, we would just scramble, get strong again, overcome, move on. That's the way of the world around us. He doesn't just bring us to a place of weakness. He then meets us in our weakness. So it's here when Jacob, his weakness is exposed, his insufficiency is exposed, he's terrified. That is when he encounters God. And what a strange encounter this is. Verse 24 Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was point, put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So we would expect that when Jacob's alone and terrified, God's going to show up, give him comfort, tell him everything's going to be okay. All good, move on. Not what happens. Instead, God shows up in the form of a man, doesn't identify himself, then wrestles with Jacob, and then puts his hip out of socket. This is very strange. Now, if you've ever wrestled with someone, you know that after like two or three minutes, you are totally exhausted. So imagine wrestling with someone for hours and hours and hours, and on top of that, you are in your most stressful position in life. You are going to be at your wits end, your physical, your mental, everything. It's all at the end. And it's here when Jacob is at the utter end of himself, at the breaking point that God chooses to reveal himself. But he does this in a weird way too. He doesn't tell Jacob his identity. He doesn't tell him with words who he is. Instead, he dislocates his hip with a touch. Now, an orthopedic surgeon that I know, Who does a lot of hip surgeries he said that the hip joint is so incredibly strong that the amount of force it would take to pop this thing out of its socket would be as if you fell from a two-story building onto concrete feet first that's the amount of force that it would take to pop this thing out of its socket so jacob when he gets touched and his hip pops out of its socket immediately he knows he is messing with the divine he is encountering god himself Now, if you read the story of Jacob, what comes through is that the prominent feature of his character, as we have seen, is radical independence, self-sufficiency. And this is why God wrenches his hip. The hip is the seat of a wrestler's power, or so I'm told. The hips are the strongest part of the body, and God chooses to incapacitate Jacob's strength by dislocating them. God reveals himself identifies himself when Jacob so badly needed his own strength. He reveals himself by breaking Jacob's strength. We too should expect to meet God in our weakness. Let Jacob's encounter inform you. God meets us in our weakness because your complete and utter dependence upon him is what he desires. So what are the things in your life that you are wrestling with now? Where is it that you are asking for God's help to fight something, to overcome some circumstances, but the reality is you are just wrestling with him? Maybe it's something about who you are that you wish was different. Maybe it's an insecurity or a character feature that you wish was different. You wish you were more confident and secure. So you fight so hard to be this way and you ask God for his help in it, but what if this is a God-ordained way that he has touched you? With an insecurity, so that you might fall more deeply into dependence upon Him. Maybe it's something from your past that you were trying to overcome and move on from and forget, but what if God has given this to you as a divine thorn to keep you humbly and daily dependent upon Him? Maybe it's a physical manifestation, like Jacob's dislocated hip. A physical or mental condition that you long to be rid of, yet in reality, for the time being, it is God's way of laying you into his competent and healing hands, dependent upon him. It is here that we receive God's blessing in our life. It is in weakness that his strength is manifested in us. And when our weakness is exposed, and we find that it is God himself who is meeting us there in our weakness, it is then that we must cling tight to him for a blessing. When I read this scene of Jacob wrestling with God and his hip being put out of socket, I can't help but picture this scene from a movie called Warrior with Tom Hardy. Uh, And spoiler alert, because I'm going to ruin the movie for you. Tom Hardy, he plays this man named Tommy Reardon. And Tommy is a man who gets separated from his loving mother and his brother and is left with his cruel father. And he grows up hard. He's making life work all on his own. He's independent. He's self-sufficient. He is a man much like Jacob. He comes back from time in the military where he's become a war hero and all he knows is wrestling and fighting because that's the life that his dad brought him up in so he enters into a mixed martial arts tournament tommy enters this tournament and so does his brother who's a meek and mild math teacher but who also knows wrestling so the, the, that's the whole storyline is you got two brothers and they both enter into this tournament and as you can expect the two brothers meet in the final round of this big tournament Tommy is the clear favorite. He's way stronger. He's the better fighter. Tommy's crushed everyone that he's faced, and you'd expect him to now crush his brother. Well, the two brothers fight, and it is brutal, and it looks like Tom Hardy is going to win when somehow the brother gets Tommy on the ground in a hold and has his arm in something called an arm bar, where he's holding that arm at the verge of breaking it. And he's saying, tap out, Tommy, tap out. And Tommy won't do it because he is strong and he is self-sufficient and he is not going to submit. So the brother snaps the arm. And it is, it is gruesome. But the round ends. And Tommy is left with one working arm. And he goes into the final, final, final round of this match. And he comes out and he's got one arm like hanging like this, trying to protect himself, still trying to, put, still trying to fight and his brother's saying, Tap Tommy, give up, man. It's over. Give up, Tommy. It's over. It's over. It's over. And Tommy won't do it. He won't do it. So finally the brother kicks him and lays him down and puts him in another hold. And he's saying, Tap, Tommy, tap Tommy, tap Tommy. Give up. Tommy won't do it. And then his brother says, It's okay, Tommy. I love you, Tommy. Tap Tommy. I love you. And when Tommy hears these words, I love you, Tommy, he breaks. Something in this hard, self-sufficient, I've got this exterior, snaps. He falls into his brother's embrace. Tommy finds what he has been looking for all along. He's grasping onto his brother, unwilling to submit and give up, until he hears those beautiful words, I love you, Tommy. Only when his strength is spent and Tommy is in this desperate condition is he actually able to hear the words of his brother, I love you. And only then is he able to give up and give in to being loved, to being dependent. And I believe this is a picture of what God is doing with Jacob and what sometimes he does with us. When our weakness is exposed and we find that it is God himself who is meeting us in our weakness, it is then that we must cling tight to him for a blessing. Let's look there uh, as we close this out. So God's blessing is found in weakness. After God touches Jacob's hip, crippling him, something awesome happens. Jacob, with all his strength exhausted, with his being in his most weak, desperate place, has nothing left except to cling tight to God. And this is what he does. He yells out, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's clinging tight to the divine wrestler, and he refuses to let go until God blesses him. This is the first time that you ever see Jacob in full dependence upon his God. He's been getting to know God for a while. He's been starting to worship him, starting to kind of follow this whole trajectory of being known as one of God's people. But this is the first time that you ever see him in full dependence on God. And the blessing that God then gives Jacob is remarkably sweet. He asked Jacob for his name. Now, Jacob's dad was... was Pretty brutal in this. He named his son Jacob, which in the Hebrew, uh, it means supplanter, which I don't really know what that word means, but apparently it means usurper. And again, I don't really know what that means, but if you look that up, what you find is that it's a word used of someone who's a trickster, someone who's self-reliant, someone that you cast out of society because you don't trust them. And Jacob has lived into that lie, that identity, his whole life. And so when Jacob tells him, my name is Jacob, that's a confession of his sinful nature. That's a confession of who he really is. And God responds by giving him a new name. He names him Israel. He who strives with God. Other people translate that as he who God strives for. This is the blessing that Jacob has been striving for his whole life. This fatherless, in some ways, boy receives a good father. Something he has been unable to earn on his own, no matter how long or how hard he has worked. It is only in confession and dependence upon Yahweh that he finds his blessing, a new identity, one who is loved and cared for by God. And not only is Jacob's name changed, but he leaves that night with a limp. He encounters his brother the next morning, this terrifying encounter. He encounters him with a limp. He's got no chance. A limp he's going to live with for the rest of his life. But that limp's part of the blessing. That limp's a perpetual reminder of his weakness and his need. A perpetual reminder of what God did in order to meet with him and show him God's character a continual reminder of his need for the Father to be strong for him. And this is God's desire for you, brother or sister, that you would, like Jacob, cling tightly to the God who calls you by name with no air of self-reliance, that you would know your weakness, that you would know your dependence and need, and daily walk with that beautiful limp. And why would he be trustworthy of our clinging to him? Why would this God who does things that we think are unimaginable in order to bring us to a place of weakness, why would we trust that God? Well, because from the line of this man, Jacob, who gets renamed Israel, would come the Christ, this God-man from Nazareth, who lives a perfect life, who lives perfectly dependent upon his father. And it's in him that you see a new wrestling match between God and man. But in this wrestling match, God allows man to win. God allows man to crucify his beloved son. Why? Because he loves you. Sinful, rebellious people that he is redeeming to himself. So he allows himself to become weak, allows man to be strong for a moment so that we might be able to receive the strength of salvation by confessing our need and being found in the cleansing blood of his beautiful and precious and worthy son. That's the way into the kingdom is through confession of your need, the fact that you are a sinner and you need Christ Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. And friend, he rejoices in giving that to you. But we don't leave that at the door of the kingdom. We don't enter in through confessing our need and our dependence, and then we leave that at the door. You don't leave your limp at the door. It's the only way to live. It's the way of enjoying all that is yours in Christ. God blesses us in our weakness, and it is independence that we experience his blessing. Hudson Taylor, a missionary in China, said this after years of just really brutal experience. He says this, God wants you to have something far better than gold, and that is a helpless dependence on him that he may have the privilege and the right of supplying your needs day by day out of an unseen treasury. A lot of times I don't know how to pray, so I use this book called uh, The Valley of Vision, and it has a bunch of prayers written out in it. And one of those prayers that I love goes like this. O God, thou hast taught me that Christ has all fullness and abundance of the Spirit, that all fullness I lack in myself is in him, and that it is my duty, out of a sense of emptiness to go to Christ, possess, enjoy his fullness as mine, as if I had it in myself, Because it is for me in Him. This is the mindset of a heart. This is the heart set that leads to a spiritually rich life. A minute by minute, daily dependence on God and celebration of His strength for you. So, glory in your weakness, because that is where God would love to pour out His strength. We are a people who need our weakness to be exposed, who will meet God in our weakness and who will find his blessing in our confession of our weakness and in our dependence on our Father. Now, I know there's not a lot of application to a sermon like this. There's not a lot of, like, go and do this now, except for this. Let this encounter of God with Jacob fill and shape your imagination. God desires your dependence on him, and he is faithful to bring you to it. And we are in desperate need of that as an American church. The church up until modern times, up until like the last hundred years, they practiced two things to keep their dependents always right in front of them. They would fast and they would withdraw into solitude. They'd deprive their body of food or some other comfort in order to make them aware of how weak they actually are. And then they would go and get alone and away from the crazy pace of life that we live in so that they would become aware of their weaknesses and their insecurities and all these different things so that they could then go and be filled with the strength of God. Give yourself to these disciplines that God would use them to reveal the truth of your dependence on him. He's faithful to bring us to this dependence and he is faithful to meet us when we come to him in dependence.